1: Hello everyone. welcome back to the road of his best best ball podcast my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at Overton Ireland, and as always on the series i am joined by zach Kruger. you can follow him on twitter at zk underscore ffb we are into the penultimate i think penultimate means second last so we're into the penultimate show of the series A very i like when i can use fancy words but uh, hopefully i've used it in the right context um but in terms of the overall series, we have run through the, the gauntlet here. We have talked through Zero RB, Elite tight End, all the different strategies that we'd like to employ, and all the tools up on the Rotovis website as well. But on today's show, we're going to dive into best game theory and what we like to implement. And so we've tried to cover everything in the series for, you know, best players, whether you've played before, whether you haven't played. I think there's going to be p- bits and pieces in there for you to use if you're just interested in some of the tools on the website, um, you can check out the whole series. It doesn't have its own individual podcast feed, but they're all up on the roto radio podcast feed. And we also have um, a page on roto hosting just basically it's a directory of all the episodes. Myself and Zach will be tweeting that out as well from time to time if you want to check out all the episodes on one single page. But we are going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into some things you should consider while drafting your best ball teams today. Zach, uh, looking forward to this one.
2: Yeah, I can't wait to get into the show with you, Colin. I, I had a lot of fun just kind of putting a couple of these questions together. Things that I've been keeping in mind over the course of the last several months as I, uh, you know, go through my drafts. One thing that I've, you know, had the privilege of doing this season is is doing my own best ball live stream on the RotoViz YouTube channel. I've had a chance to have some really great guests on, so every every week I get a little bit of best ball enlightenment from whoever my guest is, and and I'm just kind of given new things to keep in mind um, as I'm going throughout this draft season. And now I'm hoping that between you and I, we can share some of these things with people um, to keep in mind throughout the rest of their draft season. Um, these, these rules are not only applicable to best ball, even though that's going to be largely the context we're speaking in, but if you keep some of these things in mind as you're even going into a seasonal draft, um, you may walk away with one or two things that you find helpful um, in the upcoming NFL season.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. So let's hope uh, that's our goal. The goal for the series is to see what you know we can help listeners out. What the baseball content kind of fantasy industry wide is growing, but um, hopefully this is some of the stuff that will really help uh, set you apart in your leagues. Because I think there's a lot of people playing baseball this year for the first time but we've been playing for for a while so hopefully it is it is going to help you out and um, when you're drafting those best ball teams particularly in a tournament setting there's a lot of hype around the tournaments at the moment i know we're drafting in some of those and uh, hoping to take home some big prizes but what are some of the things in that perspective that you think about when you're building your team so we've talked about we might even touch on this in a moment you know just standard leagues you know 12 team leagues and so on but in those tournaments where you're trying to Probably win your own league and then get through some playoff rounds. Um, what are some of the things you think about when building those teams?
2: Yeah, so I I mapped out a couple things here, and we're gonna we're gonna do our best to cover all of them here. But one of the things that I did talk about, and um, you know, again, keep keep some of this in mind in terms of the context. But one of the things that I had talked about, and I mentioned as a point here, was just being mindful of some of the schedules of the players that you're drafting. Um, And then I put emphasis here, especially for the playoffs. Uh, One of the things that I think we need to be aware of in particular for these tournament formats is some of the schedules um, that these players are going to have in the FFPC um, best ball tournament in particular. What we're looking at is a um, playoff format that covers weeks 14 through 17 um, and that in particular, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just not pulling up, but for that in particular, one thing that some people may want to be aware of for the playoffs is the fact that we actually have four teams that have bye weeks in week 14, which is the first week of the playoffs. So when you're building your teams, even just keeping something as simple as that in mind, um, you know, will hopefully help you be built for long term success. I think that in particular, when you're thinking about um, players you're drafting on those teams, you're looking at a guy. Who I think has who kind of carries the most weight right now would be um, Jonathan Taylor, who is a first round ADP, and the Colts are one of those teams with a fourteen a week fourteen buy. So you'll actually notice in some of these tournaments um, that Jonathan Taylor is falling a little bit later than his ADP would, because there's teams who are hesitant to pull the trigger on a first round draft pick who's now going to be out for week fourteen of the playoffs, assuming that they make the play assuming that your team makes the playoffs. So, even if Jonathan Taylor plays a big role in helping you get there, uh being being down him in week 14 could also mean he plays a big role in your exit from the tournament. So, being mindful of things like that for the playoffs I think make a big deal um are are important for your drafts. Uh, When, when you also just consider different matchups that teams have over the course of that, you know, three to four week stretch Uh, certainly the regular season factors in Um, we don't want to just be drafting for a four week season. We still need to get there for those weeks to even matter, but being mindful of schedules um, for different players and trying to make sense of those things along the way and telling yourself, you know, building up scenarios in your mind where these schedules can hopefully, um, you know, work out in your favor based on player ADP, the price you're paying to get a certain player, and then also um, hopefully the strength of schedule um, being a proper mix in order to make some of these things work um, work out well in your favor. I can tell you, one one team that has a lot of Um, A lot of really good green lights for a lot of their positional players is the Denver Broncos in both the playoffs and also the regular season. Um, Their schedule sets up very well for a lot of different players in the passing game, but then the downside of that could be the fact that they have quarterbacks Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater um, throwing to them. So the you talk about players who we like a lot of the talent on the roster. We like a lot of the receivers. We like the tight ends. But then the downside could be that they have a bottom five quarterback situation. Uh, so just trying to be mindful of the schedule and, and drafting a little bit based on that. It should never be what rules your draft. But just trying to find ways to, to keep things like this in mind in the hopes of building out um, a strong roster in both the regular season and the playoffs, I think is good yeah and
1: another interesting part of that you mentioned jonathan taylor and he is the key piece i guess at the moment because he's the first round player with the week 14 by but when we look through those teams there's some of them that the opportunity cost is going to be lower uh the patriots for example even if we're getting into maybe the colts uh other position players outside of um outside of jonathan taylor or you know if we're looking then maybe at the eagles but i think that and anyone that listened to my draft with uh, sean and blair recently we had the 112 john and taylor fell to the 112 me and sean had talked previously about if he got to the kind of start of that second round he was an automatic pick so we, we did take him at that point and that's where the decision has to be made as to how far do we go like so in a tournament like this that means that he is available for all 13 weeks where the uh, rest of the players are going to have a bye week during that time, so you're getting an extra week in the season that'll possibly win you your league. But then you're on the flip side, you have to, to switch that. So then, when you're drafting that team, if you're taking that risk at the high opportunity cost in the first round, you do need to then make sure maybe to how how you're filling up the rest of that running back room to get you through that bye week if you do progress to week fourteen. So there's those sort of things. The other thing I'd be saying is, if you're taking somebody like Taylor early in your league is going to be in the playoffs on a week there and they're this is the same even if you're like playing in the scott fishbowl for example except in the scott fishbowl you're going to have an opportunity to pick people up off wires waiver wires for that week 14 and the best ball formats you're not going to have an opportunity to backfill that so you need to be thinking ahead so when you draft somebody with a week 14 buy i think it's important then to make sure that you're not drafting like other running backs with that or even other players with that you're trying to balance that out and i think that and i know we're going to t- talk about buy weeks a little bit as well That is something that would factor in. So know when the playoff weeks are. I know we're talking about the FFPC here today, but if you're playing on Underdog or if you're playing on any other website, they will have a slightly different structure for playoffs. And it's important to know. So over there, you know, the values of these players might be slightly different because the playoffs aren't going to affect them in the same way. So I just think it's important for that. Another thing that uh, we're going to mix in here is competing schedules. So like if players are playing against each other on the same week, um, something that Sean brought up on on our draft was uh, you know, the Ravens and the Packers are playing each other during that playoff time. We have some Packers. We also have some Ravens. They're playing off against each other if we can get shootouts in those games. So when it gets into those playoff weeks, it's almost like um, a lot of our listeners probably are playing DFS as well, but it's playing that daily fantasy element of it is where we're going in. We're trying to hit that big score on those weeks to progress to the next round. Um, so if you have opportunities we're in week 14 or 15 or 16 when they are the weeks of the playoffs if you have teams playing off against each other and you can correlate into those shootouts I think that's another way to think about it. now the tricky part about this versus daily fantasy isn't daily fantasy you know it's this week these guys are playing against these guys it's not a case of right we're looking now ahead to week 16 which at this point in time is probably 20 to 22 weeks away and we're kind of saying yeah we know what's going to happen in that week so it can be tricky to do that but i think it also is something that we should be building into our strategy where possible i wouldn't force it in but sean made an interesting point when we were talking about this draft that he didn't think that stacking was as important in this contest as some people thought but he did think that the correlating schedules was something that might prove to be very, very important. So usually when Sean says something, I think (laughs) it makes sense to listen. So how do you feel about those uh, correlating or competing schedules?
2: Right. Sean says that he doesn't think stacking is going to matter, and I'll never stack a team for the rest of this offseason now. Um, (laughs) This is the way this will work out. Um, No. but. That, that's that's exactly right. Though uh, I had a similar conversation with him just the other day, um, and he said the same thing to me. And we talked about correlating um, some of these competing schedules as well. You mentioned Baltimore, Green Bay. That's not one I've thought a lot about. One that I can't stop thinking about is um, Arizona and Dallas in Week 17. Like if we're if we're building out teams that we think are going to you know make it in this competition and go far, uh, the idea of a potential shootout between Arizona and Dallas in Week 17 just has you know, league winning upside all over it. If you have the right players in that game, I'd, I'd already be willing to bet it's probably going to be the highest projected game total of um, that week. Uh, just looking at some different things, certainly how the season shapes up will actually determine whether or not that comes that comes true or not but right now i'd be willing to put my bets on arizona and dallas in week 17 being the highest projected game total for that week and that's just one of a handful of um you know stacks i'm looking for uh and you don't necessarily even have to correlate um you know two player or two teams with one another sometimes you can just look to a certain team that you think maybe just has a really great schedule at that point in the season and start there so Uh, I know one team that I was looking at as well is San Francisco, who gets uh, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Tennessee, and Houston during the playoffs. And if that's um, how you want to start your build, maybe you get George Kittle, maybe you get Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel. You can run it back later with Trey Lance. So I want to talk about a little bit more with our next point, but you can even start with just adding players like that. And then because you like how those are going to, Hopefully, shape up with the expectation being that they're all going to be high scoring for San Francisco. You could even try to run it back a little bit with some correlations with San Francisco players throughout the course of your draft. Uh, Maybe you get a Cincinnati wide receiver for that week 14 game, you get a Falcons wide receiver, Mike Davis, or something like that, for the week 15 game. There's ways that you can start to build correlating matchups into your team where you're just really looking for hopefully nailing the highest scoring game and having key players in those high scoring games that will hopefully bring you um you know one step closer to winning that grand prize uh, in the ffpc best ball tournament yeah no it's,
1: it's more, more good stuff and it is when you, you know and sometimes when you're talking about these things people listening might think oh the guys are going off the rails here they're going too deep into this it's <laughs> almost like conspiracy theories but these are the small edges that when you're trying to win large field tournaments and things like that 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 help get you there anyone that's Playing DFS regularly, or listening to DFS content, or trying to break down uh, projections—it's not always like the the pretty thing that's going to help make you uh, win that big prize. So, um, it's important to try and dive in and get as much you can. Take this data and or data as we went through in one of the last episodes. Which one is it, Zach? You let
2: me know. It's both of them. I use them interchangeably <laughs> all the time. It's it's data in one sentence and it's data in the next, and I, I I'm deeply apologetic for that
1: but uh in terms of like it's basically we're again we're turning you all into fishermen we're getting you we're getting you ready to fish and uh, you're gonna be ready to go and do it but the next one up is bi-weeks and how they factor in so I, I do look at bi-weeks i think sometimes i might overemphasize bi-weeks but i think it's important not to put yourself in a hole by having all your players on a week seven bi-week for example um i think it's important to try and be strategic um, as long as you can fill those other roster spots so if you're drafting those wide receivers and you're going to fill the flex for the wide receiver i think it's important not to have a lot of those guys out on the one week because that's one week that you're not really going to have the strength and the flex so i think there is a balance to it uh, i think sometimes then people might over over it and be like oh i can't have t- more than three players on a 28-man roster with the same buy but i think when you're looking at things like kickers defenses you're only picking three of those, like we mentioned. I think it's very important for those guys not to be on the same bye weeks. So if we're in a tur- like obviously the tournaments probably aren't going to have the same effect, you know, for those. But just in general, then if we're looking at your quarterbacks and things like that, you want to make sure they don't have the same bye week. If you're drafting two of them, um, and then similarly with running backs, if you're going zero RB you're likely going to be trying to fill those two running back spots every week. And then if you have three guys with the one by and you've only drafted five guys, that means you have two left. And if one mm-hmm. of them's injured, you're down to that zero in your roster. So it's uh, pl- just planning the head a little bit, but how much do you factor then? in?
2: Yeah. So, it's interesting that you mentioned week seven as being the example by week if you've been doing these drafts you know that week seven is just hellacious for for buys i think it's I think
1: week- it into my mind i don't even that wasn't intentional but i just think that week seven for some reason is just there has to be buys that week it was stuck well, in my mind
2: well it's 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 honestly painful because if we just run through this real quick you have buffalo on week seven by some great players there you have dallas on week seven by i mean all half of dallas's roster is drafted by the Jeff, fifth round.
1: On Diggs and. Uh, cd Lamb i'm all right for me already
2: yep amari <laughs> cooper Dak, like those guys are all out if you had josh allen he's gone jacksonville week seven that's not so bad the chargers week seven you got that's that guy as well
1: i have no wide receivers left at this point
2: <laughs> yeah yeah minnesota justin justin jefferson you just <laughs> lost him and then pittsburgh all those wide receivers are going in the first seven rounds they're all on there so like there's no wide receivers to be had in week seven so basically any wide receiver worth drafting you're not going to have in week seven and it's incredibly tilting i find that a lot of teams that i build um are just gonna take zeros in week seven because it's just so brutal so curiously that's what you said uh whether you meant to or not or whether you've just been you know now you're 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 triggered at this point in time to automatically (laughs) default to week seven being a you know when we talk about buys it's week seven because it's probably stood out to you in drafts but um, to, to bring the show back in, into focus here, after I went on a mini rant, apologies to everybody who had to listen to it. When I'm factoring in bye weeks, there's a couple of ways that I think about it. Obviously, I think about it a little bit because week seven does truly rear its ugly head with some of the players who I like. But then, like you said also, being mindful of when we maybe are okay with having more players on the same bye week than others. Those onesie positions definitely stand out to you a little bit. It's kind of tough having, if you do a three-quarterback build, maybe you don't want two quarterbacks with the same buy. I don't necessarily think that it matters that much, especially when you consider the fact that two-quarterback builds are also perfectly viable. You're probably going to be heading into... Um, you know, a, a week where you do only have one quarterback and you're hoping he hits if you have a two-quarterback buy. So that would be a situation that would be created by that alone, and there's nothing wrong with doing a two-quarterback build. But if you're looking to do certain strategies, like a hyper-fragile strategy where maybe you're only drafting four running backs, you really don't want to have those buy weeks all in the same buy week. And sometimes it can be tough to get around Uh, doing that um, with these builds when you're trying to sacrifice a player who you like with the X, understanding that you're going to lose him for the bye. Now, there may be some people who just outright choose to compromise it and say, well, I'm going to maybe take a lower score this week, but I'm going to bounce back because these running backs are also great. Their studs are going to do well for me. And that could very well be the case. But I I think that you want to give your chance at scoring as many points as possible every week while trying to weather the bye week storm rather than... Um, you know, run headfirst into it and just realize that you're not going to be able to have as many points one week as you would other weeks. The other thing that I had in mind when I had posted this question about bye weeks is keeping them in mind for your actual overall build in terms of when it allows what when a player's bye week maybe opens up other build options for you. And by that, um, what I mean is. Looking at certain players who have a bye week compared to another player and deciding whether or not it makes sense to draft player x based on players wise bye week now i sound like i'm talking in code right now so let me just break this down a little bit for you um this year it's really stood out to me as being a little bit more interesting of a scenario than maybe other years because we have two rookie quarterbacks who we're kind of all expecting to start but we also think that there's a good chance that their coaches may not start them in week one those quarterbacks being trey lance and justin fields depending on how my build looks heading into the draft, depending on when I grab that first quarterback, because you shouldn't be drafting Trey Lance and Justin Fields as your first two quarterbacks. Um, Hopefully you have at least one by then, depending on how that shapes up might determine whether or not I decide to go with either two quarterback build or a three quarterback build, depending on the week. So for example, I'm just taking a quick look at it here. Um, Let me just take a quick look here. There's not a lot of great quarterbacks going on in week six, but we're just going to speak in in hypotheticals here. In in week six, Matt Ryan is on a bye week. Um, That is coincidentally the same bye week as San Francisco has. But if you look at Chicago, their bye week is week 10. So if you had a build where you had Matt Ryan and Justin Fields when you're considering those bye weeks, if you're going with a two-quarterback build, you have to keep in mind that if Matt Ryan is on a bye week in week six and for some reason the Bears haven't wised up to the fact that they should be starting Justin Fields by then, if you're going into do that with a two-quarterback build, you run the risk of getting a zero at the quarterback position that week, which is why, why maybe you would consider going with a third quarterback just to kind of protect yourself against taking a zero at that position. But if you went with a quarterback, say, Kyler Murray, who the Cardinals don't have a bye week until week 12. Now you're kind of opening yourself up to the possibilities of doing a realistic two-quarterback build from a number of different angles. One, you're investing high draft capital into a quarterback, so you probably don't want to be taking that that third quarterback anyways, but if you like the upside that someone like Trey Lance or Justin Fields might give you, now you don't have to worry about that second quarterback being factored in until a week 12 bye week, which now opens the door for you to perhaps consider adding someone like Lance or Fields. Um, so, so trying to find ways to maneuver the bye weeks to my advantage and, and, and work in getting certain players who I like um, based a little bit off of ADP, but then also on bye weeks and understanding that if this player is hitting for me, I'm not even going to need this other, this rookie quarterback to be in a position where I need him on my roster anyhow so I can add these two quarterbacks. It makes sense from a structure standpoint and hopefully through the first 12 weeks of the season, Kyler Murray's given me, you know, nine or 10 QB1 weeks and only having a one quarterback build essentially until that second quarterback becomes a starter doesn't hurt me as bad as it might.
1: Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts.
0: Oh, 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 O'Reilly
2: Auto Parts.
1: So next thing uh, we're going to talk about is drafting as if you are, and we need to get the quotations up for this, as if you are right um, in terms of pretty much you, you know it all and you're going to find it out. Uh, Pretty much that you know exactly what's gonna happen. Uh sometimes you can think that in the wrong way as well. Zach, what exactly did you mean by this latest point?
2: So I forget who it was I was listening to, but someone had brought up the point of the Steelers wide receiver ADP, which I don't have in front of me, but More or less, all the Steelers wide receivers are gone by like the seventh round of your drafts right now. You got usually it's going to be Deontay Johnson followed soon thereafter by Chase Claypool. And then probably like around there. So later, you have Juju off the board and they're all gone. And and these are all players who are having, you know, roughly top 30, top 40 ADP or top 40 uh, positional ADP going where they are rather high. And then you have someone like Ben Roethlisberger who's going like near the end of drafts. Ben Roethlisberger is virtually free. So it's interesting that drafters tend to have such conviction for these Steelers wide receivers. um, And they feel good about that. They feel right enough as a collective hive of drafters to say that these wide receivers are going to be good. These wide receivers are going to be relatively productive. They'll draft them where they're taking them, but then like they're all afraid to take Ben Roethlisberger and I think that it needs to be at least thought about that for these wide receivers to succeed you probably have to you know bank on Ben Roethlisberger being successful if you're right about these wide receivers being what you're drafting them to be then and factor in that I factor in with that upside some of these players are taking Deontay Johnson with like oh this guy's going to be a wide receiver one well if you believe that you have to believe that he's going to be a value and that the reason he's going to be a value is because Ben Roethlisberger is also being successful I don't think it's because you think Dwayne Haskins is going to be successful so um, drafting certain players is if you're right I, th- I can I think of that when I think about it and that's not to be a, a, a cocky and arrogant right like I I know all I see all but there's certain situations where you're investing draft capital in players that you want to bank on these, these picks being the right picks. And if these picks are right, then you don't necessarily need to invest high draft capital elsewhere. If you're playing in a one tight end league, uh, just for a really simple example, if you're playing in a one tight end league and you're drafting Travis Kelsey, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense to run it back in like the third round with George Kittle, uh, maybe even the fifth round with with Mark Andrews. I know that those two players uh, are obviously studs at the position. They should hopefully be top players. But if you're right in a one in a one tight end league on a guy like Travis Kelsey, then you shouldn't want to be right almost on Mark Andrews because Kelsey is going to be who you have the highest draft capital invested in. He's going to be the player you want p- falling into that that tight end slot for you every week you want to draft certain players as if you're going to be right and the success of your team is going to be dependent on uh your for lack of a better word rightness in the situation when drafting if that makes sense
1: i don't know if rightness is an actual word but it did make sense uh, the rest of it all made sense up until that point but uh, no yeah. i can well that's okay it can be tricky and like there's certain points too where you can become too Kind of invested in what you believe is right as well and there's times where maybe you are stepping too far back from maybe you think this guy is really going to be the guy this year but you just don't have the confidence you might be saying like other people don't think it so maybe i'm just wrong and um, so there's those sort of things like a player that i'm probably involved in that camp is probably lavisca chennault where I had been sent for quite some time that I would happily take him above Chark and that ADP has continued to rise. And then there's a lot of drafts then where I'm not getting him because somebody has drafting him above Chark. And that ADP, I think, is going to continue to rise once we get training camp reports. But there is certain players like that where, um, you know, you're in on and you're going for. But, you know, there's going to be a certain point here where LaVisca Chanel becomes overvalued and then i'll take a step back so it's about knowing when to take that step back it's about knowing as well not to have you know 75 percent exposure to one one player um unless it's kj hamler um, then that's a minimum requirement but outside of uh outside of that it's just about making sure we have a kind of a balanced approach but sean mentioned this i believe on the draft he did with you is that he doesn't draft players that he doesn't like basically (laughs) and that he goes with them and he would rather be overexposed to the players he likes than underexposed and be like ah shoot it like i really liked him so there is there is that balance but i think if you if you're in on a guy and you're looking at the metrics and you think this is the way it's going to go this year and this guy is the guy that's going to win me all this money i think if you have the kind of foundation of the evidence to lead you in that direction i think it makes sense to to be you know I won't say go all guns blazing but like step forward and, and take your shots on that player and um, for this season.
2: Yeah, um, would you I, agree with that. Yeah, I I do agree with that. And and the other thing I was just going to try to like, you know, roll in here real quickly is that with some of your builds when you're when you're talking about drafting, your success kind of depends on you being right, which is why some people want to like go out and they want to build like a well balanced roster. They want to make sure they're not you know too overweight on this position in the draft, but they're too underweight in another position. Some people want to like have a balance. Like if you want to do something, we we talk about zero RB, so that 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 maybe doesn't fit quite what I'm talking about here. But if we want to talk about modified zero RB or hero RB for those people who are maybe going to be triggered by about the use of modified zero RB, if you're going to draft the hero RB roster and that's the way you're going to go then part of the reason that you think hero RB is going to succeed is because you have one of those elite running backs early and you're now willing to pad your, you know, your, your players elsewhere, wide receiver, at tight end, maybe even an early round quarterback, because you have faith that that running back is going to perform at the level you expect him to, which is why you're not, adding several more running backs you you have faith in that one running back you drafted to kind of carry the load you're going to stack up on wide receiver and add those other positions and then bring it back later on with other running backs with the expectation again that this first pick that you made is going to work out it's the right pick he's going to stay healthy all that unfortunately we can't predict health but you're going to draft teams based off of the fact that this one player is going to be the correct pick, which is why you can now avoid that position for a while and add other players elsewhere. So understanding that the success that your team is going to sometimes have based off of some of those early picks and, you know realizing that if if player x doesn't hit who you took early your team might be dead anyways not all the time but if player x you took early hits and hits at the level you expect him to then he's going to regularly be in your lineup which is why you don't have to be uh earlier on another player at that position or why you don't have to be overweight on another player at the position because the success on your team depends on the player who you took early uh succeeding and that's and you being right is essentially what's going to make this team successful if that makes sense.
1: It does It does make a lot of sense. and I, I hope it's making sense to the listeners as they've listened through the entire series. We've uh, I, I've really enjoyed some of these conversations. We are coming up now. We have one episode left to come, and we will be recording that, and it'll be coming out. Very, very shortly for you as well as we get ready to wrap up the best best ball podcast series. Uh, As always, you can get yourself a 10% discount to a NFL pass. All you have to do is add the code RB Radio 2021 at checkout or go to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for further information. Myself and Zach have really enjoyed doing the series so far for you. If you have enjoyed it, uh, do send us a message over on Twitter, over at the Twittersphere, uh, to myself and Zach. Zach is on Twitter at ZK underscore FFB. I'm on Twitter at Overtime uh, Give us a follow over there. Let us know your thoughts on the show, uh, what what episodes maybe that you enjoyed the most or found the most beneficial, um, and we will... Uh, we will enjoy reading that feedback. That's gonna do it for today's edition of the show. Um, it is the Broadoviz Best Best Ball Podcast. My name again is Colin Kelly. The co-host is Zachary Kruger. Until we're back with the final show, have a good one.